You are listening to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast with Kristen Brown, where we upgrade our relationships and life by applying practical ideas, universal truths, and life-changing inspiration. Let's go have some fun. Welcome to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast. My name is Kristen Brown, and today I have the absolute pleasure and honor of interviewing my personal publisher who published The Recovering People Pleaser, the book that I most recently, yay, most recently published on in April 11th of 2023. That's been a fantastic hit. And Linda and I became fast friends and I just so enjoy her energy and her love and her inspiration and her motivation and her support of people that I just decided I absolutely had to have her on my podcast because I wanted to share her with you. Because when I find someone that I think is just a rock star in this world, who's done the the hard work, who continues to do the hard work, who does the things and is working to live their best life, I feel like that is someone that everybody needs to know. So I want to introduce you to Linda Sunshine West. Welcome, Linda. Oh, Kristen, it's so good to be here. And I, I love your energy too. So it's one of those like mutual admiration society kind of things. It is. And I, I just have to tell the little story about how we met. Linda and I were both on a social audio app and I was just kind of thinking about publishing my next book. It was, you know, just in the works in my head. And I just flipped on that app one day and I heard her speaking and I wasn't even on there very long, just a few minutes. And I was listening to her. I said, gosh, I really like this lady. I like her energy. I like her word style. I like everything about her. So I'm not sure if I read your bio or how I did it, but somehow I put two and two together and I reached out to her personally and said, hey, do you, because I know you do collaborative books, which we will get into. But I was like, hey, do you do solo publishers? She's like, well, yes, I do. And so that got the ball rolling. And you were so patient with me during that process because, you know, I had this massive idea that I was going to get this book done in two months and I really believed it. And it didn't happen in two months. And when I messaged you back, I'm like, yeah, okay, tail between my legs, it's not happening. But it wasn't anything that you held me to. You're like, girl, just do what you need to do and we'll go from there. But yeah, it was a great, great meeting. But Linda, I want to jump just straight into your history and like where you've been and what you've been doing. In your bio, you talk about leaving home at five years old and you were gone for what I believe was five days. So can you share with us a little bit about that? Because wow, what a, wow. Yeah, well, it's it's funny you um, mentioned that first because you know a lot of times when uh, people when they read my bio, the first question they ask me is, "Well, where did you go?" That's like the first thing, you know, five years old, yeah. and I I just went to the neighbor's house, so I was safe. You know, I had a roof over my head, food in my belly, and you know, a place to sleep, and uh, so I was safe and everything. But something happened in that seven days that I was gone, and you'll totally get this, Kristen, is that nobody came to get me, mm. and so as a five year old my belief system started right then and there that they didn't come to get me because they don't love me and they don't want me around. Yeah. And so that really was this belief that I had for so many decades of my life. And you, know, my mom knew where I was, but I didn't know she knew where I was. And if my mom had known what was happening in my brain at that time, she would have come to get me for sure. My mom did love me, but I believe that she didn't because she didn't come to get me. You know, my mom, I believe she's passed on, you know, so I can't even ask her, but I mean, like we can make up our own stories, right? Like I made my story up is that I truly believe that my mom knew where I was and that she knew I was safe 
And she was giving me the opportunity to exercise my independence as a five-year-old because I was pretty, you know, pretty out there, obviously, to run away for a whole week. So it's it's kind of interesting how it, it took me decades to get to the place to be able to forgive my mom for that that moment in time, you know. It's interesting how looking back and we put the pieces together and that's the beauty of age is that we start to, if, if we embark upon the journey of self-healing and self-growth, we start to put the, the pieces together and we see things so incredibly differently. So from that point forward, I heard you talk about tackling a fear a day for 365 days. Is that correct? Yes, yes, definitely. I'm going to go back to the the running away thing just for a second here, sure. because um, the thing I love to stress, especially for parents who are listening, who have little kids, those little kids know what's going on. I was five. I was grow. I grew up in a very volatile, abusive, alcoholic household. That's why I ran away yeah. is because I didn't want to live in that environment. So at five years old, I had the wherewithal to say that this is not a good thing. Wow. And and I love to stress that because we need to, as parents, you know, my kids are old now, they're 40 and 39. So I don't have the same opportunity to be able to, you know, work with my kids at a young age anymore, but they can work with their kids, you know? Yeah. And, and so really to just stress that kids do know what's going on. They sense it, they feel it. They, they know it deep inside. They might take an action of running away and they might not. I, there's some um, many, many uh, times I've heard of people say, yeah, you know, I, I ran away and then my, my mom came to get me or, or they said, yeah, go ahead, run away. That's okay. You know, like not realizing the damage that that can do to the child. So I just, I wanted to bring that up because I think that's an important piece for, for parents to really just consider that your kids are knowing what's going on. I want to right. jump in there real quick, Linda, because yeah. that happened to me. I remember several times threatening to run away and grabbing a pillow and putting some stuff in the pillowcase and then kind of going into the backyard and no yeah. one said anything, you know, and we, you know, we have to look at the generation at this time. We, it was kind of the wild west. I mean, <laughs> there was right. a lot of awareness going on and, you know, those type of things. But yeah, I remember thinking that same thing. Nobody cares. And that again was not true either. It just was, that's the way my brain processed that information. It was very, scary and sad. And, and then my brain continued to find places in my life that that was true. So, mm -hmm. you know, the reticular activating system started going, okay, and this, and this, and this, and this, and then that belief further took root. I won't say that's the only belief that happened within my life. This brings me to a question because the fact that you had that awareness at five years old, the fact that five years old, I mean, you're still in the the lower, you know, a lower brainwave state at that point, right? But you yeah. had that awareness at that time that the energy did not feel good. The things that were happening within that environment didn't feel good. So as you grew, Linda, did you notice that you started to, I'm trying to word this correctly, like even more separate out from that family unit and started to see things differently than maybe the other people that were still in there? Of course, I, I can't speak for them, but I can speak for myself. And yes, I definitely felt a distance. Um, I used to get made fun of. We have, we have five kids. I'm number four. 
and they the other kids would make fun of me and they would say like they would say I had a ski slope nose or they would say that I was the milkman's daughter because I didn't look like the rest of them and so they would make fun of me in these different ways that were very hurtful and made me feel separated made me feel like I didn't belong so that's just kind of like like you mentioned you know like I was constantly you know, was I really looking for these things that would solidify the fact that I didn't belong and that they didn't love me and they didn't want me around, which is possible what was happening. What was interesting though, is that, well, I had 49 jobs in 36 years. And as I started looking at that, when I counted those jobs, it was, I only counted them because I was going to be speaking at an event talking about jobs. Interesting. And so I was like, yeah. Yeah. So see my running away started at age five. What I realized though, is that I didn't run away at all. What I did really is I was running to something better. I was looking for something better. Every single one of those jobs I left, I never got fired, by the way. I got laid off from one with 500 other people. But other than that, I left every job because I wasn't satisfied. I didn't like what was going on. The situation didn't fit me. I felt underappreciated, you name it. Like I, I felt all those different things. And so I was constantly looking for, I was constantly looking for something better, something good. And yeah. that's what I did at five years old. So really it's just like that language, right? Did I run away or was I just running to something better? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting as we uh, look back, like you mentioned, you know, the reticular activator system, you know, it comes into play. And that was kind of what I was always looking for. I was, I was searching for something better, people who were better. And I didn't find that something better until I became an entrepreneur where I could, you know, name my own schedule, be my own boss, appreciate myself for who I am. And, you know, just move into all those different um, things that, that I, that I needed Mm -hmm. way back then for all those decades. Wow. The reason why I asked that question was because I believe there's a sacred rebel in every family. I believe there's that one person that first steps out and starts to look around and go, this isn't okay. And they start to form a greater awareness. They open up their mind and heart to other possibilities where a lot of Sometimes the other family members don't do that. They stay kind of just stuck in the status quo groove of things. And then as that sacred rebel starts to really grow, then there becomes a disconnect between family members, really. Did, did you experience that? Yeah. Okay. Let me, that was good. I love how you shared that thing. I was like, oh, I had to jump in here. Yes. Um, there came a time at age 51. So 51 is the year that I broke through those fears every day for a year. We'll talk about that in a minute. But sure. age, at age 51 was when I had that kind of like that epiphany moment. Like, why am I here? Why am I on this planet? I have no purpose. I have no value. And um, I ended up finding a life coach and I worked with my life coach for five months. And then after that was when I broke through those fears, but go through like about maybe three years, four years after I started my personal development journey, which is when I started to really branch off from the family. Like I already felt branched off. Like I felt like a broken branch you know, yeah. on this tree. And then I really like, I broke my branch off like intentionally. Like I came with a saw and I actually cut yeah. that branch off and said, I don't want to be part of this anymore. So one day, about three or four years after I started working on myself, um, two of my sisters approached me and they said, you know, we're really worried about you. The people that you're hanging out with, they don't have your best interest in mind. And it was these personal development people. It was people like Les Brown, Jack Canfield. You know, I'm hanging out with these kinds of people who are like the self-help gurus and they're worried about me. 
oh, they said, we think you're in a cult, you know, that these people are a cult. And I said, if this is a cult, this is the kind of a cult I want to be in, a positivity, <laughs> you know, positivity cult, right? Amen. And so that was a kind of like a rift that I needed. It was such an important uh, conversation that we had that day, because when I left that conversation, first of all, I sat there with my arms crossed. I didn't want to hear any of it. Mm-hmm. I was very defensive in defensive mode. And then after I, they were done, because I just listened, I didn't fight. I just listened but I was seething with anger because how dare you, you know, attack me like this. Right. And we were in a public place. So nobody could get mad really. Right. But it wasn't going to be a scene in a movie, you know? And and so I finally, in my mind, I said, this is my opportunity to do something different. Something that I normally wouldn't do because I was a people pleaser, Kristen, as we, we've talked about many, many times, I was an amazing people pleaser. And so as I sat there, I was fighting with my inner people pleaser, say something or don't say something or don't say something or don't. Yes. And finally I said, are you done? And they both said yes. And I said, well, here's the thing. I need to distance myself from you. So I'm going to um, block you on Facebook. If you call me, text me, email me, I'm not going to respond because I need to get away from you right now. And I need to build a strong foundation for myself so that no matter what you say, you can't knock me off of that foundation. Mm. Gosh, that's my brilliant. little, it was, I was 50 something years old, you know, finally standing yeah. up for myself. Yeah. And my little sister, only a year younger than me said, well, what if I want to see you? And I said, this is not about you right now. This is about me. So wow. I don't care if you want to see me because this is what I need to do in order for me to be able to you know, build that foundation. That right there was a stepping stone that was like astronomical proportions because I stayed away from them for almost a year. And it was right before Thanksgiving, like maybe a week before Thanksgiving. We always spent Thanksgiving at my mom's house, but since my parents were gone, we spent it at my sister's house. And I was like, I wasn't gonna go. And so a week before I said, you know what? To myself, I'm ready. My foundation has been built. They can't knock me off. And so I called my oldest sister and I said, you know, hey, um, I would love to come for Thanksgiving if you would like to have me. And she said, yes, of course, you know. And so I showed up. So here's the thing. I showed up with my reticular activator system <laughs> in full charge. I was looking, I was mm. looking for them to say anything negative. Yeah. I told my husband, we can go in separate cars because if they say anything negative, I'm out of there. I'm not saying why I'm just going to disappear. And so I was looking for it and it, it started to happen in one moment, Kristen, only one moment. I immediately started to get up and my sister changed the subject just like that. Wow. The, the whole entire day was different than it had ever been ever before. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, it took a tremendous amount of courage to do that. It took a tremendous amount of courage to leave at five years old and to go down the street to stay at your people at your neighbor's house. And what's coming up for me is the fact that you you found your voice. This is a very difficult thing for a lot of people because at first we don't have a voice, many of us, because we've lost it. We've tried to speak up or we were put down or we were shut down or whatever the things that have happened. And sometimes there's so much brilliance that's even coming out of a, uh, out of a youth and or intuition, like true intuition and knowingness 
and people are batting us away and yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you know? And, and putting us down. So I'm not sure what your backstory is, but my question is for anybody that's listening, that's like, wow, that, how did she have the wherewithal to do that? Where did she find that courage to actually finally speak up and to say that? What would you say to somebody who's like, I really need to find my voice. There's some people that I have to say some things to, and I'm so afraid. Do you have any words of wisdom for them? Yeah, definitely. It's to do it because you're scared. This is one thing that I came up with, you know, after breaking through 365 days in a row, I broke through fears. So that, that was um, asked about earlier is how, why did I, first of all, why did I break through you know, a fear? Yeah, let's go there. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So when, after I worked with my life coach, which was five months and it was amazing. I'm a good student. I did all of my homework and I had tremendous growth in that five months. So that's when everything kind of started. That's when I started to um, not really like speak up for myself, but to do things I had never done before. Like um, just like raising my hand in a crowd and saying, I'd like to answer. That was something I never did before. I had a tremendous fear of judgment. It was, um, it was crippling my fear of judgment. After I worked with my life coach, that was in 2014. So January 1st of 2015, I woke up that morning and I said, I have so many fears and they're stopping me from living my life. Like I'm letting fear control my life. I'm going to break through a fear every day this year. It just came out of the blue, just completely random. Like that intuition was almost like I, know. I had to do a year. Right? I love I this. A week. <laughs> like, right. I couldn't do a week. I had to do a year. That, that's how much fear I needed to breakthrough on a regular basis in order to not let fear cripple me anymore, you know? And so I started that journey and what it looked like, Kristen, it was a very simple journey, but hard breaking through the fears. So the, the thing I did is every single morning when I woke up before I got out of bed, this was my commitment, 365 days in a row, before I get out of bed, I will ask myself a simple question. What scares me? And then I'll lay in bed and I'll wait till the very first fear pops into my head, whatever that fear is. And my commitment to myself is to break through that fear that day. So this was the, that was the journey. I did that That's, 365 days in a row. Girl, that is so brilliant. I, those listening on audio can't see me beaming. <laughs> that is so brilliant for several reasons. Number one, that you listen to your inner knowing, you listen to your inner guidance and your guidance said for your next step, because you are on the path for your next step. Here's, here's a great idea. And you said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you stood up to yourself. And this is what I tell people all the time. This is, it's such a personal journey. Like we don't even need to tell people if we don't want to tell people what we're working through. Many of the things that I was working through, I didn't share with people because I didn't want, I was so fragile and, and delicate in my foundation, like we were just talking about earlier, that if someone came in with even an eye roll or just looked the other direction or just didn't do exactly what I needed them to do in that moment to satisfy me, it would have broken me down. So a lot of my journey was very private inside of me. I didn't share it with people, but I'm not sure if you shared that with other people and I was just wanted to share that part. But the fact that you said, this is what I'm going to do. And then you did it. Was it hard to find fears as you were going along? And yes, a lot of times people will ask me, first of all, who has 365 fears, right? That's one of the questions. Another is uh, like, did you make a list? And really I, I didn't make a list. My whole 
that my decision was just like every day I would ask the question and whatever fear popped into my head was the fear. Sometimes the fears were instant. Like I had been dreaming about it, waiting for me to wake up and ask the question. You know, it was like, there's the fear. Wow. And sometimes it was 10 or 15 minutes, but again, it was a commitment to lay in bed, to wait until that fear popped into my head. They were completely random, you know, completely random. And I'll share, share in a minute, you know, how they tied together, because this was some of the, the brilliant things that I learned during that year. I mean, there's imagine yourself breaking through a fear every single day, what you're going to learn about yourself. I mean, you, you can't imagine, you cannot imagine what you will learn because especially if fear has been stopping you, like for me, I want to share an example. Uh, when I was younger, I I got married, I I got pregnant and then I got married. So, you know, I did it the old, the old fashioned, (laughs) the non old fashioned way. The new old fashioned way. Exactly. The new way. And then I ended up leaving my ex-husband when I had a four week old and a 14 month old, I literally walked out on him because I didn't have a car. So I walked out with a four week old in a baby carrying case, 14 month old on my hip, a diaper bag and a purse. That was it. That was like, but you know, people say, wow, that was so brave. How did you do that? Well, here's the reality. Here's one of the many realities about fear. Mm-hmm. I had two fears going. I had a fear of staying and I had a fear of leaving. My fear of staying was repeating my mom's life. My fear of staying was being with an abusive man, which my husband was being with an abusive man for five years. Like my mom was my fear of leaving was that I don't know what I'm going to do. There's unknown, right? So the fear of staying was of the known. The fear of leaving was of the unknown. unknown. Mm-hmm. We oftentimes when we look, when we talk about fear, we, it's that fear of unknown. That's a, a lot of times what stops us. But a lot of times what stops us also is the fear of the known. Because yeah. now I had two ch- fears to choose from. Which one am I going to choose? We have choices. Yeah. And so I ended up choosing to leave. And yes, it was a brave move. But from my perspective in that moment, it was a fearful move. So while people can look at us and say, wow, you're so brave that you did that. The reality is like, what's going on inside of us? Because it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. What matters is what's going on in the inside. And so there's, um, there's one of those acronyms, you know, fear, uh, false evidence appearing real. So during my journey, about three months into it, I was brushing my teeth and I was like, false, false evidence appearing real, false evidence. There's nothing false about my fears at all. And if they don't appear real, they are real as real can be to me. So that acronym is a big lie. It's not true at all. And then I hit me that when my faith is strong, my fear is weak. So I came up with my own acronym. Absolutely. Faith erases anxious reaction. Mm. Because fear is nothing more than an anxious reaction to something. Yeah. So faith erases anxious reactions. That's what I love my own acronyms. (laughs) You know, we got it right. Cause like they're our own. And, um, that one there made me realize that when I'm experiencing fear, this means that my faith is weak. So if I'm experiencing a fearful moment right now, my faith is weak. So what do I need to do? I need to tap into my faith. And there's three areas of faith that I tap into. I start with the faith of myself. Can I do this? Yes. Can I do this? No, I need help. If I need help, then I tap into the faith of my you know, people who have already been there, done that people, not friends and family. 
I always reach out to other people who have been there and done that and are successful because reaching out to family, they get scared for you. Yes. So I reach. Yes. And so now if I don't have those people in my life uh, for that particular situation, then I tap into God. Now I might go backwards. I might go the wrong way, but this is what works for me. Mm-hmm. So I start with myself. I reach to others, you know, people who are human on this human plane. And then I reach out to God, say, God, I can't do it. God, they can't help me. I need your help. I need your strength right now. And so I tap into that faith. And then I say, awesome. This is just fear. I'm going to do this because I'm scared. And here's why we don't know what lies on the other side of fear. But I will tell you this, after doing 365 fears in a row, that about 99% of the time, the result I got on the other side of fear was either I was proud of myself for doing it, or I met somebody that I wouldn't have met had I not done it. A door was open that I didn't even know was closed. There are so many amazing things that have happened because I broke through those fears. So I say, why would I deprive myself of all that amazingness that I don't even know that's out there? So I say, you got to do it because you're scared. I wrote a book called the year of fears. After I broke through those fears, my mentor highly twisted my arm and told me I needed to write a book. That's the only reason I did it. And um, I'm in the process of rewriting it to, you know, I'm going to be calling it, do it because you're scared. And so that's my, my new mantra, you know, oh, this is just fear. I got to do this because I'm scared. I got to see what's going to happen. Yes. I'm so excited. You know, I love that you bring that up. Well, two things. One, the 365 days of fear, I could do that standing on my eyebrow because, because the the journey is scary, right? And we have this ego brain and there's some things that are legit fears, like bodily harm type, type of fears. And there's some things that our brain is just making up that's telling us that we suck or we're terrible at something or whatever it might be. But I will tell you that I have the same thing that I do. If I feel afraid, I know that's my growth point. And that's how I've made it through to where I can give live talks right now, one to two hours on YouTube without a thing, because I was so afraid of so many things for so long, but I just kept showing up. I just kept showing up. I just kept breaking through. I love to tell the story that my very first podcast episode is seven minutes. And I always encourage people, just go listen to it. It's really sweet. Cause I look back at little baby Kristen, you know, five, six years ago, I call her baby Kristen. I was probably 50. You know, there I was trembling, scared, trying to record a podcast. I had so much to say, but didn't know how to say it more like I was afraid to say it. So it's with seven minutes has a lot of edits. The words are great. The, the theory, the wisdom that I'm speaking is, is great, but it's, I listened to it. I don't know, maybe a year ago. And I was like, go me. And the same thing with my YouTube channel. I started that years ago and I look back at those videos and I'm like, yeah, this was just me pushing through fear. And I leave them there because a lot of people would take those down. Be like, oh no, I want everybody to see my now like polished professionalism type thing. Uh-uh. I want people to see the reality of the journey. Yeah. You know, this is the reality of the journey. It takes dedication. What I'm really loving, Linda, is the mindfulness, the paying attention to yourself the tapping into yourself, because you know, when we're people pleasers, our energy is fractured out. It's all over the place. It's out here worrying about all these other people. And you pulled it all in and you said, this is about me and I'm going to take care of me. And I think that is absolutely brilliant. So you are in the process of rewriting this book, because I think this is 
like this book needs to, literally needs to be on the New York Times bestseller list. This is an amazing concept and idea. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and you say that it's funny because as I said, I agree. I it just flashed on me, Kristen, that in the past I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. I would have been like, oh no, no, you know, and oh, all these yeah. different yeah, exactly. And now, you know, I own it because I know that every single one of us, you know, we we are so brilliant. There's so much brilliance inside of us. And and especially a lot of us people pleasers, we're too scared to share that brilliance. And I remember, I'm going to share with you that exact moment that I realized that I am brilliant. It was a very humbling experience for me because I was breaking through those fears. I was probably about, you know, maybe done like two months of them or so. And I was attending um, an entrepreneurial workshop. It was for marketing. And I'm sitting there and I'm amongst these amazing, incredible, successful women and wondering, why the hell am I here? You know, why am I here? Well, I'm here to learn. Okay, got to remind myself, I'm on the journey. And, and so the, the person putting on the workshop asked a question. And for the first time in my life, now I'm 51 years old, the first time in my life, I raised my hand the very first time in my life. Wow. I was too scared to raise my hand because what are they going to say about me? How are they going to judge me? What am I going to say? I'm going to say something stupid. They're going to see, like my ex-husband told me on a daily basis, you're so stupid and ignorant. People are only nice to you because they feel sorry for you. I heard that on a daily basis for two oh. years. So I believed that. And so if I raise my hand and I say something and I stumble, they're going to know how stupid and ignorant I am. But I raised my hand. And when I, and I stood up to respond to the question. And then as I sat down, I was uh, just a trembling mess. Yeah. Everything. I was like, I was in tunnel vision. My hearing was a mess. You know, I couldn't hear anything. I know because... the feeling. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm in this tunnel all by myself. And there's all these other people. They're just staring at me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're thinking I'm stupid. Well, the two women sitting next to me, this was, it was like, they were the exact people I needed to sit down by in that exact moment yes. because they said to me, Oh my God, that was brilliant. Will you repeat it? I want to write it down. That was that moment. I'm like, I'm getting emotional, just remembering yes. it in that moment. So I repeated it. And then in my head, I yelled in my head to myself, Oh my God, I, I have value. Yeah. From this moment forward, I'm going to share my voice every opportunity I get. This is what I screamed in my own head and I haven't stopped Yeah, because no matter how scared I am, there's something in here that somebody needs to hear. Yes. And I need to say it. Yeah. Otherwise I'm depriving them of that brilliance that has been buried deep inside of me for all these years, observing everybody else, never saying anything. It's time for me to say something, to step up and say something. Yeah. What would you say to someone, Linda, who feels that? but they're still like, I, they can't quite own their brilliance. Yeah. That's because I believe we're all brilliant. Idea. I believe we're all geniuses in our own way. And yeah. And I feel like everybody I'm in front of, I want to say, I want to like dig into them and say, I want to, I want to find your genius. I want to find what you are so good at because we are child, all children of God. We came here with this, you know, intelligence and, the world put mud on it. I, you know what I say all the time? I tell people this, I say, and I use the word Ferrari. It's not my favorite car, but people get a visual better. I say, we're all these red Ferraris with mud on them. The value mm. is still there. 
but we've got all this mud on us. No one can see that. And the healing journey is taking the mud off, scraping it off, washing it off. And so we can reveal what's underneath. So what would you yeah. say to someone that says, you know, I, I don't think I have any brilliance. I don't think I have anything that's genius. Well, first, uh, sometimes people will throw mud back on, right? So you wash some of that mud off and then they're going to throw some mud back on you and then give what you get the opportunity to wash it off again. And what's cool is like, what I love about that, Kristen, is that um, giving that visual of the mud on the car is that the mud that we have from our childhood, it is incrustated and it is in every single pore of that car, every single pore. So we have to get the first part, the first, um, uh, we got level of mud off first and we have to keep going deeper and deeper. And that's, they talk about peeling the onions back and, oh my God, I love this car analogy. This is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, um, as we're going through these journeys, we get the opportunity. What's cool about it is we get the opportunity to, again, keep washing off the car because we're going to get tainted. And, you know, sometimes we're going to take it personally and sometimes we're not, it depends on our mood depends on what's going on in our life. You know, when we got started here this morning, both of us had had something kind of weird going on and we got to say, you know what, I'm going to take a moment. And Kristen yeah. did this. She's like, we're going to take a moment here about 30 seconds to get grounded, to get grounded where we are today. But two, three, maybe, I don't know how many years ago for you, but let's say uh, five years ago for me, I wouldn't have had the knowing to do that because I was so wrapped up in what I was doing at the time. What I say to that is that there are going to be people in our lives. It's going to be family, even friends. We might lose family and friends. I've mm -hmm. lost a lot of friends Same. from my past, but I'm ever so grateful that I had them in my life to learn what I don't want to be anymore. Yeah. So if we look at it from a perspective of, first of all, there's 8 billion people on this planet as a recovered people pleaser, you know, I realized that I can't please everybody. So one of the things I'll share with you, one of the exercises that I did during that year of fears that helped me to break through that fears, the fears, but it not only helped me to break through the fears, but it helped me to, to live my life in, in a different way in various areas. The fear was just kind of like the catalyst to me learning this. And that's, a, I'll give a great example. Just the other day, I was going to have to tell somebody no about something, you know, related to the book publishing. And I was going to have to tell them no. And as I was writing up my email, I was like, you know, looking at it, looking at it again. Is this going to be painful for them? Am I going to hurt their feelings? Yeah. Are they not going to like me? And all these things started showing up. And I said, you know what? I used my exercise that I did for fears. And I said, if I send this message right now, will it adversely affect my life one year from today? No, it's not going to. So what I did with my fears is I would look way into the future and I would say, if I do this act, if I break through this fear right now, will it adversely, which is a key word, because it can affect my life in a very positive way, mm -hmm. which is what happened. So will it adversely affect my life one year from today? And then I just kind of go backwards in time. And so I asked the same question over and over and over again. If I send this email right now, will it adversely affect my life six months from today? The answer is no. I mean, six months is a long ways away. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is my brain is now going into a, a different um, intellectual state of mind yep. uh, instead of an emotional state of mind. And so eventually it gets to the point that if I say, hey, if I send this email right now, will it adversely affect my life You know, tomorrow? And if the answer is yes, like, you know what? It's not going to adversely affect my life 
um, a week from now or a month from now. So I'm just going to send it. And yeah. now I've just like, you know, send, send, send. Yeah. Send. Just send it. I love it because <laughs> this is remind me of something I had to do about a week or two ago. Something came up within my business and I was like, mm, can't, that's not okay. And I had to send an email. I sat on that email and my brain was saying all the things that could happen from sending this email. My question to myself always is, are you respecting and honoring you? Kristen, are you respecting and honoring you? Are you taking care of you? Are you making yourself a priority? And I asked myself that question. I said, yes. And if I don't send it, I'm not. And I hit send and I got back the most beautiful response. I did not expect I, and, but that was the other thing too, is I let go of expectation. I just said, it is what it is. I'm just going to send this out because this is the truth of the situation and we'll see what happens. And then the email I got back was, it wasn't even that long. The person was like, oh yeah, great. And I was like, yeah. see, but even if I didn't get that response back, it was so important to me to do that for me because that's me as a recovered people pleaser is not doing that. It is not no longer questioning, you know, worrying about everybody else's feelings above my own because I had done that for far too long and that didn't work. So let's move into your entrepreneurship. So 51, you broke through a fear for a day for 365 days. Uh, your coach, I, th I think, encouraged you to write a book. You write a book. And at this time, if I understand correctly, you are not publishing your own stuff at this point. You had not become a self-publisher or did you? So lead us a little bit about how that journey started. Yeah, definitely. So it was 2015 that I'm breaking through a fear every day. And during that, during that year, I ended up meeting somebody who had become my, my greatest mentor. He's still my mentor today. His name is Greg Reed. And so I met Greg in January of 2015. I was only like 15 days into breaking through these fears. And he, he um, spoke at an event and he gave out his phone number. And, and he said, he gives out his phone number because nobody ever calls him. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be one of those that does call you. Right. So, so I called him and I said, can I come to your office and, and just kind of hang out? And he's like, yeah, sure. Here's the address. So I, I went into his office and I, and I hung out with him and his staff for, you know, a couple hours. And at the end of the like four hours, he looks at me and he goes, so why are you here? Like, what can we do for you? I said, I just want to be around positive people. That's it. I love that's, you. That's so all great. I wanted. That's so awesome. That one action right there was the catalyst for everything I'm doing today. That one action of me calling him and asking if I could come and hang out. Uh, I ended up going doing doing that again about a week later, and and the week later as we were talking, he says, "You know, I'm working on a book right now. It's called Footsteps of the Fearless. And since you're breaking through a fear every day this year." I think it's a perfect fit for you. It was a collaboration book. And he invited me to be in that book. And, and I joined that book. It was $6,000. It was a lot of money for one chapter in a book. I did it you know, because I was on this journey of, of, of you know, continuing this journey of self-development, you know, personal development. And then after the year was over, I had broken through, broken through all those fears. He looked at me and he said, hey, that's really cool that you broke through a fear every day you know, this year, but what are you going to do about it? And I was like, I think that's plenty. I don't need to do anything else. And he goes, you need to write a book about it. Why would I write a book? Who wants to read my story? Who wants to read my message? Are you kidding me? Who breaks through a fear every single day for a year? Yes. Yeah, what he said to me, 
And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I started on the journey of writing my book. I'm not a writer. I was never a writer. I was never a reader, not interested in either of those. I was a musician. So I loved music, you know? And so I started writing my book over and over and over again. I started it for a year and a half, kept starting it, starting it, starting it. Then I met another coach, a book coach. And she taught me how to start and finish my book. She gave me a framework that I could use. And I sat down and within a week, I finished my book. I was able to start it. I had to start it over again because I wasn't using the right framework. You know, I started it and finished it in a week. And then I self-published it on Amazon myself, which was a pain in the ass, by the way. And yeah. I, but I figured it out eventually and I published my own book. And that was back in 2017, the year of fears. Well, after I did that, I said, this is a question I ask myself often is what's my next natural state of progression? Cause I want to keep growing. Yep. I want to keep growing through the rest of my life. Like, why would I want to be stagnant? Right. And so I was like, I was in a book. I wrote a book. Ooh, I'm going to follow my, my mentor's footsteps and I'm going to do collaboration books. So I decided to put together my own collaboration book and it's called momentum. And with this book, I brought in some of the people I'd met on my journey the founder of Ugg Boots, the creator of the um, Make-A-Wish Foundation, the inventor of the credit card magnetic strip, and my mentor, Greg Reed. And I asked all of them, I said, hey, I'm thinking of writing a book called Momentum. Will you be part of it? And every single one of them said, yeah, of course, just tell me what I need to do. And I was like, oh, crap, now I got to do the book, you know? I was committed to them. This, this is, is real. I, this is real now. Yeah, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I realized about myself at the time is that I really wasn't, I mean, even though I broke through those fears, I still wasn't really good at committing to myself and following through at that time. And I knew that if I committed to them, that I would do it. And so I did that. I, you know, published that book. I brought 13 other people together and published that book momentum. And then I was like, wow, that was a lot of fun. I'm going to do it again. And so I came up with God sends me titles of books. I have over 75 book titles that are waiting for me to come up with wow. uh, to, um, to publish. I can only do so many at a time, right? <laughs> the two titles came the fearless entrepreneurs. And that was my journey becoming a fearless entrepreneur and invisible, no more invincible forevermore. That was my journey of going from people pleaser to, you know, stepping up. And so I put together those two books, you know, brought together the uh, collaborators in those, I launched them eight days apart, and they both hit number one international bestseller status in under five hours. And I said, wow, this is something, I have something here, I know what I'm doing, I absolutely love this, and I'm damn good at it. Yeah, This is what I'm going to do. So here's something I did, which was kind of interesting, the way I did it, again, you know, sometimes I do things, I don't know why I do them the way I do them, but later it shows to me why I did it the way I did it. Yeah. And um, I had been running a women's mastermind for six years and I called the ladies in the mastermind and I said, Monday's our last mastermind. I'm going to refund you any money I owe you because I am now a book publisher. <laughs> Just like that. And every that's single it. one of them were, were like, wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Aww. Not a single one said, what about me? You know, but they were also just like, um, just excited to see what I was embarking on. And here's the thing that was important here. And the reason I share that is because a lot of times when we come to that crossroads, we think that we need to slowly get out of something. 
Now I'm not saying that everybody needs to do what I did, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is that I exhibited for my clients what I believed to be the right thing because I needed to do what was right for me. They could find other coaches. They could find other masterminds, but I need to do what's right for me. If I had hung on to them, it would have been an anchor that I would have been pulling along while I was trying to figure out the publishing thing. But no, I jumped right into the publishing immediately and, and just like went full speed ahead. And since that time, that was only uh, September of 2021. So at that time, and since that time, I published over 15 number one international best-selling books. So in about 16, 17 months. So I'm not sure when people are listening to this right now, but I want you to think about that. In about 16, 17 months, I published 15 books. And those were all collaborative doing. books? The more, no, no, that includes your book. We, we've okay. published, um, I think five of those, if I know my numbers correctly, five of those 15 are solo authors. Mm-hmm. So like, I just went full speed ahead. <laughs> was that your, there first ain't no solo? stopping me. Was that your first solo? You were not my first solo. My first solo was actually, actually my, okay. So, so that day I told my clients like, this is it. I'm going to do book publishing, no more mastermind. That next day I got a phone call from a woman said, I'm writing two books. Will you publish them for me? And so she was my first, she was the one that was like, oh, I guess I can do solo books because I didn't, hadn't even considered doing any yeah. solos, but I said, yes, of course I can. <laughs> Just like I said with you. And so we published her book about maybe two, three months later, because she was yeah. just about done with it. Oh my gosh. It was just the start of the journey. You know, something, it, you never know what's going to happen. And again, if I had not broken through those fears, I wouldn't be doing anything yeah. I'm doing today because I never would have met Greg Reed. Yes. Well, I have a couple of questions too. So one is that, were you side hustling for a bit? Did you have a kind of a nine to five situation and then kind of side hustling the, and then you at some point you just dropped it all and said, I'm going in full bore. No, I didn't do that. Uh, I, I built the plane as I was coming down. So when I, after I worked with my life coach back in 2014, when I was done working with her, I had made a decision that I was going to leave that 49th job. Now I was working for a judge in the ninth circuit court of appeals. So in my line of work, I was a secretary for over 20 years. And in my line of work, like I had made it, that was the penultimate. I worked for the grand poobah, you know, he was the number two judge in the entire circuit and, you know, in San Diego. And so I made my way up there and I built that prison around myself because I was always looking for something better, looking for something better. And I thought that was better, but it wasn't any better than all the 48 jobs before that. I still felt underappreciated. I, my brilliance was still not tapped into. Mm-hmm. I called myself a glorified travel agent because my judge traveled about 250 days a year all over the world. So I was constantly, you know, doing travel plans and visas. And that's like, that's all I did. Wow. And, and so, yeah. And that I was like, I was so excited about that job when I got started. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I hate it (laughs) after 13 months. So I ended up quitting that job. I didn't have a net with 49 jobs. You don't build a pension with 49 jobs. You don't build a retirement. My husband was, he, he wasn't working at the time. He was, we were living off of his social security, $800 a month. That was my nest egg. (laughs) So when I, when I jumped out of there, I told my husband, I said, 
we have to take out a second mortgage on our house because I need to be an entrepreneur and I need to have a business. This is what, like, I know, I feel this, right? Yeah. And so we sold, we ended up taking out a second mortgage. I lost all that money in my very first event, like a big event I put on called Lemon Zest and Garlic Fest. It was a food festival. I lost $70,000. That was our entire second mortgage. So I looked at him and I said, we have to sell the house. Now, this was the house that had been in my family since I was two years old. Wow. My parents were gone and we had bought the house for my mom back, you know, before she passed away. And, and so he looked at me, he's like, we're not selling the house. I said, and this was not an ultimatum, by the way. And we had been together for 25 years. I said, you don't get it. I'm selling the house with or without you. I am not going back to a job. I'm not going back to job 50. We ended up selling the house like a week later and we moved out. We bought a 28 foot fifth wheel trailer. We became campground hosts. At this a local is fantastic. Park. <laughs> I love this so much. I haven't told this part of my story in so long because you oh. know, our stories, they continue to grow and grow and grow. But this was, this was huge because my husband might've said, you know what? I'm going to leave you. I took a risk, but I knew that I needed to do this. Like, like this compelling, not knowing inside of me is so strong that I knew I had to do this. And I knew this is what I had to do in order to become an entrepreneur. So I, I rode a tractor around once a week. I mowed the lawn at the park. You know, I loved it. I was free oh, for the girl. first time in my life. Yeah. My God, we sold 85% of our belongings to become campground hosts, live in a park. We didn't take a, a garage. You know, we didn't do that. We just sold everything. We had two forks, two knives, two spoons. We had one pan, we had one uh, saucepan, we had a George Foreman, and that's what we ate with. I mean, this is fantastic. These are the stories that excite me because this is what that tells universe. I'm willing to do anything to get to where I'm at or to get to where my heart is calling me to go. And over and over again, we see these stories, these success stories where people are like, I have to follow my heart. I have to follow my dream and do that thing. If someone told me, I said this the other day, if someone told me 10 years ago, you'd be a YouTuber, I would have laughed in their face. I would have said, what? I mean, the fact that I am on, that's my platform. My main platform is YouTube is, is, is still kind of funny to me, but in a good way, because I really super enjoy it. But man, it was the same thing many times in my path. I was like, I cannot put this down. I tried I tried to get it out. It was like I had glue on my fingers. I tried, I'm like, this is hard. This is a lot. And I kept trying to get, and it wouldn't get off. And this, my, my heart was always saying, oh, stop it. Stop having your little tantrum. Get back over there and go where you're supposed to be going because you're being called there. We're kind of coming near the top of the hour. So I wanted to definitely go into what you're doing now, because as you were talking, if people don't know this yet, or they haven't picked this up from your energy yet. There's a intuitive sense about Linda when she's working with you, because I just threw her, she's like, what do you want for your cover? And I said, I just threw her a cup. I went to actually went to Barnes and Noble, I had done this prior to meeting you. And I took some pictures of some covers and I just threw them your way and said something like this. But what came back, it was like one and done. I was shocked. I was like, that's it. One, one of two really is what it boiled down to. It was one of two. But the colors, the things, that everything was so good because I had a vision, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the standard way that things go. I had a vision of how I wanted this to do. And, 
And Linda stood next to me in my vision as I created what feels, it makes me cry. What makes me feel so good mm. is the layout of this book and everything about it. And we worked together and crafted it together so that when I talk about you as my publisher, I want people to understand that you have like this heart that you're hearing, this courage that you're hearing coming out of Linda. This is real. This is her day to day. This is her showing up in the brightest possible light form that she can to work with you. She's going to work with you in a way that your vision comes to life. And that was so important to me. And I'm so grateful that I'm like sobbing baby here on this right now, because it was so important to me, Linda. So thank mm. you. You're welcome. So please tell people what you do, where they can find you, what this is all about, collaborative books, because that's really your your thing. That's your love. So tell people where they can follow you or to get involved in one of your collaborative books because they're so brilliant. And I've met a few people that you've collaborated with. This is a crew of just kick-ass human beings that have some awesome energy and some great things to say. So take it away, girl, while I dry yeah. up here. <laughs> I hear you. I got to dry up too, Kristen, because that means so much to me. And to go from you know who I used to be to who I am today and to show up as that person, it's so important for me to show up authentically at all times. And so thank you for, for sharing that, you know, that you see that in me. The thing about the collaboration books, and I love what you just said, especially at the end there, is that I decided, you know, I do these kind of weird things as you might have guessed. So about eight years ago, I was speaking at my own event. I used to put on my own events. I put on over a hundred events. I love, that's like one of the things I love doing. And so I was speaking at my event and out of my mouth came this phrase. And I remember it today because it's something I live by. Like I decided I would live this way the rest of my life. What came out of my mouth was that I declare from this moment forward, I will spend the rest of my life having as much fun as possible, hanging out with positive and uplifting people who are making a positive impact on the planet. And I made that declaration out loud to the audience. And in my head, this was the beginning of my fears in my head was like, oh my God, that's so superficial. I can't believe you just said that. How, how obnoxious is that? They're all going to be thinking that you're a weirdo, you know, you're stupid, ignorant, right? <laughs> but then after the event was over, about 50% of the people came up to me and said, what was that personal declaration again? I didn't get it all. I want to do that too. And the reason I share that is because as you mentioned, Kristen, the people in my environment, the you know, the people I have cultivated together in my crew are those positive, uplifting people who are making a positive impact on the planet. That's who I attract to me. That's who I attract to me. And so that's who you're going to be surrounded by. And it was because of my own personal declaration. That's my own personal life's declaration for myself. Wow. And because of that, these collaboration books, these are a big deal for me because I am a community builder. It's part of my essence. Yes, it's part of who I am. I have always been this way. And then now to know that and to recognize that about myself and to now build with purpose is completely different than how I ever lived my life before. So my mission at Action Takers Publishing is to empower 5 million women and men to share their stories with the world to make a greater impact on the planet. And how do we do that? The collaboration books is the fastest way because each book has anywhere from say 15 to one of our books has 50 people in it because they're shorter stories, but you just write one chapter 
That's all. You just write one chapter mm -hmm. and you hand it over to us and we do all the rest of the work. Yes. We make it as easy as possible for you. Yes. And that's the goal here. So um, yeah, actiontakerspublishing.com is our website. You can find me on all the socials. It's all Action Takers Publishing. And then I'm Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, Sunshine West on all the socials as well. You know, reach out to us. If you want to be part of what we're doing, if you want to be part of a, maybe all you want is to be part of a positive, uplifting environment. I get it. That's sometimes where we need to start. Mm -hmm. If that's all you want, this might be the way for you to do that. So just see if it's something for you. I love that you you have a declaration statement. That's really interesting because I don't know that you and I've ever talked about that. I make declarations. I call it declaring it so. That's what I call it, where I will declare something so from this point forward. I'm like, this is what I'm going to declare so. And I, and I will not even look remotely at anything out here that's the question mark for me or that's the ego fury thing that's trying to gremlin, trying to come in and tell me that I can't have that thing. And I'm the same way. I absolutely thrive in those type of environments. And I will tell you this as a solo publisher, the reason why I wanted to go through a publisher is because I did not want all those headaches. I did not want, I don't know how to do this. You do. You know, I wanted to say, here's my baby, do what you do, work your magic with it and know where to put it and what I's to dot and T's to cross and things to do. I didn't have you on here because I wanted to press you as a publisher. I wanted to, people to see you as a person, mm -hmm. but also because you are an amazing publisher. And I want people to understand that when you can trust in somebody to really have your back in this process, especially with something as intimate as a book, it's really an intimate, vulnerable thing to write a book and to, to share with, like you're handing your baby over, like I said, yeah. and to know that it's going to be in great hands. And I invite anybody who is even remotely thinking about publishing the book or doing a collaborative, being a, a collaborative author in a book to reach out to Linda and at least have the conversation because as you can see, super easy going, super nice, super well-informed. We'll give you all the information that you need to make an informed decision about whether you want to move forward a lot or not in writing a book of some type. So Linda, I don't know every single, you know how many times I've cried you about my book. I mean, like, no, we I cannot know. have a conversation when I'm talking about my book that I won't start crying. So yeah. thank you again from my heart for first of all, being on this planet, for being the light and the love that you are, for following your dreams and carrying that torch for so many people. You're, you're holding that torch for people to find you and to step into their greatest version of themselves. And I love that you found this path. I, for me personally, for other people, just in life, I love when people have reached that place where they're like, I'm doing that thing that feels so good to me. Like you said, who knew? Who knew, who knew that this is what you were going to do, but I know you love it and it shows in your work. So thank you again for being here. Thank you for being you. And I look forward to my next book. Thank you, Kristen, so much. I just love you. You're so amazing and appreciate you giving me this opportunity to share, you know, and for reminding me of that story that we read, <laughs> we sold my childhood home. I forgot about that one. That's <laughs> so pretty crazy. So That's awesome. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And if you did, I would sure appreciate it if you jumped over to iTunes and left me a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to share it with someone that you love. Until next time, everyone, remember, you matter.